We'd like to start off the episode with a disclaimer. There are some heartfelt stories here and also some ghostly, ghastly, scary stories. However, we do have one very long story here at the end that is disturbing and may or may not upset some people. It may or may not be a confession because it may or may not be a true story. Um, But you do need to be aware that there is a um, difficult story here um, that somebody has said that is a true story. So I just want to make sure that you are all aware of that. Yeah. (laughs) Fair warning. Fair warning. Hey, I'm Jamie. And I'm Jelly. Welcome to the one and only podcast sharing the unrated and unfiltered stories from the people who make the senior living world go around. Welcome to Senior Living After Dark. Why, hello there, and welcome. (laughs) Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jelly. It's spooky month. Yes, it is. Yay. It's so exciting. Yeah, no, for you. It's your favorite month, I'd say. Yeah. It's kind of weird because it's Halloween and Christmas. Like, they're practically opposites of each other. Really, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I I love Halloween. But then there's just this great sense about Christmas where everything just feels like peaceful and everybody seems to be nicer for some reason. Yeah. There's just I, other great things about it. Okay. So, spooky month. And that means we got spooky stories. Yes. I won't let you down. <sighs> Jamie won't let you guys down. I'll try to rein it in a little bit and <laughs> equal it out and bring you some happy, annoying, interesting stories. Anyway, got anything you want to share with us? Oh, um, hmm, I don't know. Just I had, let's see, I fell this weekend. Oh, my God. Yeah, you did. Beat myself up. Um, She's just notorious for these little, like, <laughs> you keep injuring yourself. I got to go to Medieval Times That's yesterday. Fun. That was fun. But your guy, you were telling us. Oh, yeah. Man, dude, he's going to do nothing right. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't get the ring, he couldn't joust, he couldn't fight. You're like, Yeah, go green. Oh, go man. green. Actually green was one of our um so yeah. like you have you ever been to the Yeah, 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 I've, yeah. Been, I've been. So like that was one of our, you know, teams that were on the same side. <laughs> yes. I was just like when go the green. green, us, we were the red and yellow and then the blue. Got it. And the blue one. So yeah, last couple of days have been interesting and fun and weird and Yeah. Well, you know what? How about you kick us off of the spooky season story? And- <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. I've worked in a small family-run nursing home for six years as a nurse aide. It was an orphanage before it became a nursing home. And unfortunately, before being shut down, the orphanage had a history of severe abuse and neglect. Unfortunately, it's not gossip the owner herself has told us. When residents get close to death, they always see a little girl. One of my patients, a very alert gentleman, he knew all of our names, was very alert and oriented. I was passing dinner trays and saw that he had his back turned and was talking and laughing in the corner. I knocked and asked him who he was talking to, and he chuckled and said, This little girl came into my room. She was scared. He died three days later. About six months later, had another patient screaming about a little girl grabbing his feet and she needed to leave him alone. He died that night. She's come up over the years. It's always the same thing. They see her and then they die. Other coworkers have had the same experience. It's very unsettling. Creepy. <laughs> I hate it. And it has to be with children. Like, 
There's a lot that have to do with children, actually. Yeah. I think that I think it was you that was like, what if it's just death coming in the form of a child just to keep them comfortable so that whatever is easier for them. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I don't know what to think. Mm-hmm. I know my grandma saw a lot of children a lot. She did. But she loved kids and she was a you know, worked in preschool and so like she worked with kids. So I think when she was having bad moments that maybe that was just her thing was like, oh, the kids, oh, the you know, dying like right after seeing one specific kid and multiple people dying right after they see one specific she might kid. Be is, that's kind of a little creepy. Angel of death. Yeah. Anyway, that was creepy enough. Yes. Let's go to a really uh, sweet story. So this one's called Ice Cream for Dolly. One of my favorite stories from working at a community was when I served Dolly ice cream. I gave her the ice cream dish and she asked for a spoon. I looked directly into her eyes and just said, lick it. She just looked at me and laughed. To this day, she will still tell that story to anyone who will listen. It has become our favorite story, the both of us. (laughs) Oh, cute. I got another. Yeah. There was a couple named Lola and Aubrey that moved in a couple of months after I started working in this retirement community. One dinner, Lola asked for something that wasn't her usual order, and I jokingly stuck my tongue out at her. I wasn't expecting that she would do it right back to me, as well as her husband, Aubrey. To this day, every time I see Lola, I make sure to stick my tongue out at her. <laughs> That's cute. That is cute. I have, I have a couple of residents that I kind of do that with. Yeah, I just play around with them. It's like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of our residents, like, every time he goes by me with his little electric wheelchair, mm-hmm. I always go, ow, he ran over my foot. <laughs> and he goes, oh. And I'm like, I'm just joking. I gotcha. <laughs> no, every now and then, you know, you come up behind them and you tap them on the rock in the different shoulder, the mm-hmm. opposite shoulder mm-hmm. of what you're approaching yeah, yeah. on. And you're like, gotcha. Just little jokey things yeah, like you're that. pretty good at that i try that with you most of the time you don't usually fall for it <laughs> you're not very Funk. good at it is what it is just, true i'm kind of just being a jerk face when does I it does you. it work to on anybody else have yes a oh, lot. Okay. oh okay then i'm pretty good at it <laughs> okay All ready right. for another spooky stuff <laughs> i am a nurse in a hospital and my patient was a well-known card reader in town mm. not too unheard of in louisiana I had actually gone to her about 10 years prior, and she was eerily accurate. While caring for her for a few days, I walked into her room, and she was unresponsive. She had been very lethargic all day, but now she was out. Her daughter is at the bedside and is trying to wake her up. I sternal rub her and inflict pain with no response and a very thready pulse. I call rapid response. This woman then wakes up randomly and was full of energy within 30 second span. She told me she was dead and watching me in the room the whole time. She knew exactly what had happened. She said that God told her it wasn't her time and sent her back. She went home a couple of days later and she is still doing card readings. She's in her late 80s right now. Wow. Okay. You know, you both both of us are heavy believers in energies mm-hmm. and, and the way that they're effective. And also, you know, stones, you know, different energies. and Yeah. So it's kind of hard to figure out whether she really saw something or... I, I believe that people, that that happens for sure. Yeah. I've experienced out-of-body experienced myself before Got under it. meditation so meditation yeah mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was a very odd feeling and i've never tried to recreate it because i kind of felt like i was it's a little scary gonna float away into the universe and never come back and then just leave your body there yeah yeah i could see myself on my recliner as i kind of like i know people are probably gonna call bs on this but i was i don't know maybe like 17 Mm-hmm. And so I was really big in that time, like reading my books about like, you know, different kind of things. And so mm-hmm. 
I, I was working really hard on trying to see if I could do that. And I was able to do it once. And I kind of felt like I started to maybe go like into like a dreamlike state. And mm-hmm. then I felt like I was attached to myself by some kind of weird, like a cord or something, but not like a physical cord, but just like there's a connection. Uh-huh. You just feel this connection. And I remember starting to feel like I was floating towards the ceiling. And I remember feeling really, really scared and be like, oh, my God, what if I go through the ceiling and like I go into the sky? And yes. like sometimes when you have those flying yeah, dreams, yeah. like they scare me sometimes, even though like sometimes <laughs> they're really cool. You're like, yeah, I'm flying. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, whoa, what if I like, can't get back to the ground? Exactly. And so I felt that way. And I remember being like really freaked out. And when I and when I freaked out, I remember like, whoosh, like I was just like right back, like like, like as if I never, yeah, like if I was never gone. And it was like, like I was all like, your holy, senses shut down, and it was like, well, you know what I meant, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely think that just because of my experience, like I feel like if you, you were in it. dying, then I mean, or dead, then if I could do that alive, why wouldn't I not be able to do that dead? I don't know, because it's it's almost like a portal. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of like be careful. Oh yeah. Yeah. But anyway, well, let's get back on topic. Yeah. But that was good spooky stuff. Yeah. Because I'd say that's still pretty creepy. And it all came back to the card reading where he said you're opening up two sides of things and experiencing things. And so um, here's uh, somebody that wrote about COVID-19 and the elderly. I worked at a community during the height of COVID-19 pandemic. Seeing the residents confined to their rooms was heartbreaking. But I also learned just how resilient the elders truly are. Even though they were confined to their rooms, they never lost their smiles and sense of humor. Every day, Mr. So-and-so, one of the residents, would always ask the servers how they were doing and thank us for working that day. Mm. The elderly are truly some of the strongest people I know. That's sweet. It is sweet. And they are. I mean, they've they've lived their lives and they've got a lot of experience in life and gone through a lot. Yeah. A lot of them have lived through depression. Mm -hmm. So... And that kind of makes me think about. We, I just did an interview with one of my favorite residents. Yes, that just you turned ninety nine, and I did post him on my reg- on my regular page. And he was talking, and, and he is a he is a black gentleman. And and you know what his his name is Alex Johnson, because we I posted his video on my actual feed, so you guys know, you know veteran right veteran mm-hmm. during the civil rights. Oh my gosh, he was a part of the civil mm-hmm. rights. So he has the history, and it was so amazing to hear him talk about you know, some of his accomplishments and what he's gone through. And he's the exact reason why I have continued to stay in this industry and continue mm-hmm. to want to be a part of it. Yeah, no, for sure. And and when you watch his video, you'll understand, like, if you're not in the field, how it doesn't matter all the crazy crap we go through practically every single day, just having that one moment mm-hmm. with somebody that we can tell that we've impacted their life or that the community can make them happy as a whole, you know? Absolutely. And that we're just, we're doing it for them, man. Yeah. We're there. We're, we're, we're doing, doing it, it for them, <laughs> the people that deserve it. And and I know that um, had I been working anywhere else, I would have never met this man. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh, he's amazing. He is amazing. For his um, his birthday, I didn't forget about him. And he was over in the dining room and... Uh-huh. uh I, I walked all the way across. I mean, <laughs> walk all the way across. You know, and of course, they all see you. They wave yeah. at you, you know. Um, and I walked up to him. I go, hey. He goes, hey. And I go, happy birthday. And I gave him a kiss on his forehead. And he goes, and I and I walked away. And he goes, thank you. You just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. He's somebody I would go to if I ever, like, had a, if I ever wanted some wise wisdom. Oh, or yeah. Some, oh, yeah. He's the person. To and he's to. so humble. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, just an all-around good guy. Let's get some more of those scary stories. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to like this one. 
<laughs> Have you ever really experienced like any creepy stuff or? I don't think I want to talk about it. Oh. It scares me. I know. I'm sorry. Here I'm all like, I'm going to tell you on my life story. Seriously. And I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about it because I, it didn't happen. I'm in major denial. <laughs> Creepy things have happened. I do know something recently that, yeah. That, yeah, it didn't happen. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> all right. I'm a psychiatric nurse. Early in my career, I worked at a residential mental health facility. There was a resident I'll call Marion. He was an elective mute, which simply means that he didn't, wouldn't, couldn't talk but there were no pathological findings as to why. He had spoken earlier in his life and in fact seemed quite normal back then, with the notable exception of being close to seven feet tall. He'd been raised in the Deep South and joined the military when he was 19. After boot camp, he was stationed somewhere in the South. One night, he just vanished. It was declared an AWOL for years, and finally he was declared missing and dead. Ten years later, a seven-foot-tall man walked into a VA hospital emergency room in part of the Midwest and said to the receptionist, My name is Miriam, and I've been dead for ten years. Those were the last words he ever spoke. He was covered with dust, and he was wearing the same clothes he'd been reported to be wearing the night he vanished. His social security number had not been used, and he had no identification on his person. However, they were able to identify him, I guess via fingerprints. What? He was well-fed and in good health, except for his refusal to speak. The family was notified, but they said that they had already grieved their lost man and that whomever was claiming to be him simply could not be. They said he was a haint and a stand-in for their dead relative and demanded not to be contacted again. Marion paced all day, every day, not in a frantic way, but just lumbering up and down the halls and outside. He smiled all the time and would be moving his mouth in a way that indicated talking or muttering, but he was dead silent. He had an unnerving habit of throwing his head back and with his mouth wide open as if he were laughing heartedly, but not even a breath could be heard. If told to go to the dining room for a meal, he would go to eat. But if nobody told him, he just kept pacing, never indicating hunger. If offered a cigarette, he'd smoke it in, in an oddly formal way, almost delicately, if that makes sense. But he never seemed to crave smoking. The man wanted nothing. If I talked to him, he appeared to listen, periodically throwing his head back in that laughter-mimicking way of his. There was nothing to do for this man. Various medications were tried, but they did not affect him either positively or negatively. Occupational therapy did nothing because Marion would just grin, and unless told to stay put, he would just get up and start pacing again. On my last day at the job, on my way to something better, the last thing I saw was Marion pacing in the parking lot, throwing his head back to laugh. Later, I wondered if all along... I'd been dealing with a ghost. All these years later, I still don't know. Oh, my gosh. And then there's somebody in here who actually says, oh, I know about haints. They're very real in Southeast coastal cultures. Did he have an aversion to any specific colors? How did he feel about water? And the person said he didn't have aversion to anything, and he wore whatever color of clothing was laid out from that day. And then another person actually put, what exactly is a haint? And they gave yeah. us a Yeah, because I'm a over here like, what yeah. the hell is a haint? So it says, a haint is an old Southern word for a specific type of ghost or evil spirit from the Carolina coast, but found in tales from various religions of the South. Belief in haints probably originated with the Gullah Geechee people, descendants of African slaves in the Carolina Low Country and Barrier Islands. In South Carolina, haints are malicious ghost often seeking to steal or harm naughty children may be used as a story to make unruly children behave grab this for you since i was curious too oh 
Oh my gosh. Isn't that one creepy? Yeah. I don't like it. That reminds me of, have you ever seen the movie? Well, you wouldn't like it anyway, so I don't even know why I bother. But there's a movie called Serpent and the Rainbow. No. It's got, I can't think of his name, Bill something, Bill Pullman. And he's, I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but he's some kind of like, uh, he was some kind of scientist. I don't want to be too off He was an ologist. He was a dude (laughs) (laughs) who went to um, Haiti or something for some reason and got cursed and he kind of like turned into a it was like this dude who was a zombie like they're like it was yeah. based off of a true story really freaking creepy man <laughs> i'm all spooked out <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me lighten the mood a little bit i'm trying just to equal it out really you know a little bit of scary yeah. a little bit of happy a little bit of scary a little bit <laughs> of happy so, all right, this one is about um, talking with some of my favorites. That's not me, but that's what they, they labeled the story. One of the best memories I have at a community was going to the residents' rooms after I finished working to talk with them. Dolly, Lola, Eloise, Rod, and Betty, Tim, and Rachel, my grandma, all of them. It was such a joy to be able to sit down and talk to them about their lives and days, as well as hearing their advice on issues I might be facing. It has been such a joy to talk with them and learn. There are so many stories and memories I could have included, but I just didn't have the space. So I'd like to conclude by saying thank you to every resident. Thank you for all the love you have shown me. Thank you for comforting me and cheering me up on my bad days. Thank you for all the laughter, hugs, and stories we were given daily. But most of all, thank you for the memories and for allowing me to be part of your life. Every single one of you means more to me than you will ever know and I am forever grateful for all the residents that I have met. You have made me into the person I am today and I could not be where I am without you. So thank you. Hmm. That's sweet. That is sweet. Yeah, it kind of just lightens the mood for sure, right? Yeah. Some people are thankful for the opportunities of being able to work with these this population. Oh, yeah. I appreciate everything I've ever learned from any and every single one of them. Yeah. Even if I didn't learn anything specifically because maybe they had dementia and couldn't verbalize certain stuff, just the feeling that you get taking care of people that appreciate your help. Yeah, is, and that need it. Yeah. And there's also you learn how like some people really, really will uh, highlight the things that you don't like about yourself. Mm-hmm. And you kind of learn, like, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. All right. Ready you got for it? a scary one? Yes. All right. Oh, I have so many. I don't know where to start. I work in geriatrics or nursing homes for years. So most of our patients died within a few years of being with us. It's typical, right? There's like a two or three year kind of. Yeah, I think the average is two to three years. Anyways, I had a new patient move into one of the rooms on my hall that my previous patient had just passed in. My new patient kept calling me at night saying that there was this woman who kept coming into her room and trying to talk to her. At first, I just passed it off on her being in her 90s and struggling with dementia. So I assured her that I would lock her door at night to make sure that nobody, nobody would come in. After about a week of this continuing to happen, I sat down with her and was asking what this woman looked like, thinking she may just be hallucinating her daughter or sister or something. Mm -hmm. And she proceeded to tell me that this woman had a pink robe with blue fuzzy slippers. After about a week of this continuing to happen, I sat down with her and was asking what this woman looked like, thinking she may be hallucinating her daughter or sister or something. And she proceeded to tell me that this woman had a pink robe on with blue fuzzy slippers and her hair up in curlers. And the woman would come to sit at the foot of her bed, pat the new patient's feet and try to talk to her, but she couldn't understand what she was saying. 
telling you this whole not understanding language. It's a different language. I almost pissed myself. The patient that I had in that room prior to my new one went to bed every night in her pink house robe, <gasps> blue slippers, and her hair curlers in. Oh my gosh. It stopped after about two weeks. So weird. It's creepy. <laughs> anyway, but I actually have a really scary one. Oh. And it's really long. Ooh. Might take up the rest of this podcast. All right. I'm a nurse for the elderly. One of the patients made a terrifying confession. Despite what some might tell you, it's not actually so bad to work in this field. Sure, some of the elderly can be difficult at times, and like any other job, this one has its stomach-churning moments, but most of them are sweethearts. All it takes is some compassion and patience to break through to them. So yeah, I mostly love this job. I wouldn't give it up if I could help it. The only part I don't like are the occasional confessions for some of the patients. They say that that people can feel their ends nearing, and after a few years working this job, I've come to believe that. Some of them have no one else, no, no family or friends left, so they air their dirty laundry, so to say, in front of our, us nurses. Most of the time, it's pretty mild stuff. Old Gregory cheated on his wife in their in their 30s. Larry used to, oh my God, Larry used to be into hardcore BDSM. Lisa stole from her company for a while. Stuff you don't necessarily expect, mm-hmm. but that doesn't surprise you in hindsight. Other times, it's it borders on disturbing. Jenkins. I don't know what happened. I know, right? Jenkins had a bar fight and ran away. And to this day, he's not sure if the other guy survived. Ciara abandoned her family, running away in the night to start a new life. And seeing the missing person posters ate her up inside. Mm. Oh, my gosh. God. That's the kind of stuff that gets under my skin. But I can at least understand where they're coming from. I can sympathize, even if I don't condone their actions. But then... There are the monsters, Mm. the ones that have committed truly atrocious deeds and their confessions keep me up at night. Julia, the sweetest old lady you'd ever meet, gaslit her husband into suicide to cash out his life insurance. (laughs) Freddie helped burn an entire village back in the Vietnam War, basking in the flames and the screams of the dying. Mind you, I haven't been there myself for all of those confessions. Us nurses tend to share. Morbid as it might sound, go ahead and judge if you want, but we did ask for those burdens to be placed on our shoulders and we'll seek relief wherever we can find it. And that's why this podcast is here. Most of the time, it's just innocent gossip, the you won't believe what Gus used to do when he was young type thing. Mm -hmm. Other times, there are tears and silent cries in the break room, stone cold expressions and pressing atmosphere, not a hint of levity to go around. But such is life in this field. Most of us have learned to live with it and those who wouldn't walk walked away. I myself am in the first camp and I don't think last night will change my mind. Uh-oh. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. You need some context in order to make hens- heads or tails of this. It all started with Parker. So I should too. He's a bitter old man. No way to sugarcoat it. A tough nut to crack. Rage and hatred for everyone and everything simmering under the surface at all times. He's the type of person that won't be satisfied until your parade is soaked to the bone in the rain. He's been here since before I was hired, so other nurses warn me about him from day one. God help you if you have to interact with him. He can ruin your entire week just by opening his mouth, they told me. I didn't take them seriously, thinking he couldn't be that bad. Spoiler alert, he was, but not in the ways you'd expect. He didn't fling shit and piss soaked diapers at us. He flung words, but he knew how to make them cut and cut deep. Our first interaction happened when I had to check up on him and make sure he took his medicine. It was a nice evening and I found and I found old man Parker in his room lounging in his recliner. He faced towards the windows, back to the door, and he didn't bother to turn around and look at me when I entered. Good evening, Mr. Parker, I greeted. Hey, fresh meat, he spat. <laughs> and 
as response least with spite. I gritted my teeth and tried to sound polite when I answered. My name is Jessica, but fresh meat, he interrupts me. You won't last a month, so I won't bother learning your name. Now, why are you here, fresh meat? I told him why, and he pointed at the empty pill bottle on the nightstand next to him. Then he returned to staring out the window at the sunset without another word. So I took my leave. That was how the first three weeks went by. I went over to his room for this or that. He made some snide remarks to insult me, and I held my tongue. It was clear he didn't want anyone around, especially me, but I was never a quitter and I wasn't about to bend the knee to some old fart with a vendetta against happiness itself. You still here? He asked on the fourth week when I passed by his room to change his bedding. My God, woman, you're about as smart as you are pretty. He was in the recliner again, and most of his evenings and nights were spent there. By day, he'd be outside or in the common area, terrorizing everyone he happened upon. But as soon as dusk approached, he'd retreat to his room and peer out the window until he fell asleep in the recliner. I ignored his remark, approaching the bed with a fresh set of sheets and pillowcases. What? Did you swallow your tongue? Forget how words work? He kept pestering me. I took off the old sheet and discarded it on the floor, even though it wasn't all that dirty. That wouldn't be a big surprise. So honestly, the only thing surprising me is that you learned to speak in the first place. Oh, he's horrible. Now, I don't recommend doing what I did, reacting like I had. At this point, I should have thrown in the towel and walked away, but I didn't. After two weeks of abuse like that on the daily, I snapped. I threw the fresh sheets haphazardly on the bed and stomped over to his recliner. Listen here, you shriveled up ball sack. I went off on him. I don't know what your problem is, but I don't need this kind of treatment in my life. I'm not surprised that your family left you. With an attitude like that, I'd have dropped you at, at a care home first chance I got as well. I hurled insult after insult at him, digging deep to dredge out the nastiest side of me, fully expecting Parker to go off on me in return. But instead, he stood there and took it all. With each colorful word leaving my mouth, the corners of his lips pulled a little further up into a satisfied God, grin. enjoyed it. He's sick. <sighs> I only stopped when I ran out of breath and he wanted a moment to make sure I was done. What did you say your name was again? He asked. Jessica. Jessica. He repeated, letting each letter roll off his tongue. Tell you what, I like you. And that was that. He returned to staring out the window and I was able to carry out my work in peace. I regretted the outburst for a while, feared that it would somehow come back and bite me in the ass and get me fired. But Parker didn't tell anyone.